This is the Faculty Focus Live podcast, sponsored by The Teaching Professor. I'm your host, Tierney King, and I'm here to bring you inspiration, energy, and creative strategies that you can utilize in your everyday teaching. All right, today we have Stacy Gilpin and Courtney Plotz with us, who they've been working on some pretty important research on the impacts of social media and higher education. But before we kind of dive into the research that you both are doing, um, just let us know who you are and then what's something about each of you that might surprise individuals when you tell them. Um, my name is Courtney Platts. I am the former national chair of an organization called KSEPS, the Council for At-Risk Student Education and Professional Standards. And um, I have recently kind of gone out on my own and I am focusing on the concept of neuroculture and how culture influences cognition. And something I think people don't know a lot about me unless they know me well is I'm I'm an introvert, even though I don't necessarily present that way. And I'm Stacy Gilpin. Um, I am here in Duluth, Minnesota. I uh, recently completed my uh, PhD at the University of North Dakota. And for the past few years, I've been uh, working in teacher prep, teaching mostly online at the University of Wisconsin-Superior in the graduate special education program. And I also, it's kind of uh, a weird mix, I also teach um, statistics and coding and a research class is at the University of North Dakota for doctoral students. And before that, it seems like another life. Um, I worked in K-12 schools. I was a third grade teacher. I was a special education teacher. And I was an administrator too. And I too um, am somewhat introverted, but people also, um, I think, mistaken um, me for being an extrovert because <laughs> um, it may not appear that way. And I think something that's really um, interesting that surprises people is um, I have an Instagram account um, for my dog, for my pup, for Haita, and it's been a surprising avenue for me to connect with incredible people who also manage accounts for their dogs. So engaging in research around social media use in higher education feels particularly aligned with my interests and these lived experiences, as I've personally seen the benefits of connections formed in this digital realm. And at the same time, though, um, as students, um, as the participants in our, our research um, bring up. Um, I'm aware of the downsides that come with it too. Awesome. And let's kind of start from the beginning. So let's talk about what your research is and what kind of fueled that fire to start researching on this specific topic. It, this is also, it's like everything comes full circle. Um, I connected with Courtney through social media. Um, four, four years ago, I think, right? It's It was 2020, I think, right? Yeah. On Twitter, well, which is now X. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, formerly known as. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and she, like, I, like we were talking earlier, Tierney, before we started recording, she was discussing topics um, in a way that was completely new and captivating, which really drew my interest. And this connection coincided with the start of my career in higher education. I was doing all the things. I was teaching online. I was pursuing my PhD in a virtual setting. And I was really intrigued um, by all these different online environments that I was experiencing. And as um, someone coming from um, K-12 and instructional design and, and things like that, um, I was just really always wondering about how can we make these better, like their accessibility um, and the impact um, that we could positively have on people. And I was really interested in that relational component um, and how like the online classes just felt that I was taking and I was teaching felt really disconnected. They felt transactional. So I've been really thinking about all through my research and connected to this is how can we sort of um, bridge these, these online classes 
to, we don't want them to be like on-site classes because that's not the intention, but how can we make them more relational? And so um, thinking about ways that foster students also to be lifelong learners and thinking about their careers um, as it connects to social media um, nowadays. Um, and so how can some of these connections that students forge um, through social media and other places, how can they be long lasting? Like our relationships that sometimes we have, um, you know, on site IRL in real life. Yeah, I think for me, it's the hum- it's just the basic, basically what Stacy said, it's just the human connection. Um, like Stacy, I've done some of my learning online, and I've been a faculty in an online setting. And it's, um, I, there's so much of the fundamentals of online that are task oriented, that aren't built for relationship building. And so even when we look at qu- like quality checks for online um, spaces, they're very transactional, right? They're to make the faculty member feel better about what they're designing, not necessarily with the intention of connecting in a way that's kind of hitting on things like altruistic behavior or um, just a real um, reciprocation of support, right, psychologically or socially. So for me, that's that's just the, the basis is really just looking at the human connection aspect. And I think COVID has taught us that it, at this point, it's all hands on deck. Whatever it takes to make that connection in any space is what we have to at least at minimum explore. Because um, obviously, if faculty isn't comfortable with it, it's not going to work as well as you would would want it to or as well as they would want it to. So I think that it's just it's just being more open to exploring what the possibilities actually are. So in your research, you both wrote an article for Faculty Focus. The link for that will be in the recommended resources. But you share the stories of Abigail and Charlie in your research and kind of explain just the you know, educational benefits of social media for these two specific individuals and what your research kind of uncovered from this? I think um, the thing that kind of grounds all this is is just thinking about numerous students arrive in their learning environment with well-established sense of community. Um, It's been fostered in, you know, both their academic experience prior, non-academic, digital, and they leverage those um, connections, those relationships for support. So when things get tough, when they're exhausted, you know, because I'm taking classes, I'm working, I got all this, I need like a pick me up. Um, I need someone to to talk with, I need someone to jump on FaceTime with me, like all those things, right? Um, well, not all students come to our um, to higher education, to these spaces with those communities. And social media acts as a gateway to a portable and adaptable community reaching far beyond the constraints of a specific course, thereby really enhancing that overall learning experience. And this was um, particularly pertinent for um, students that I interviewed, like Abigail and Charlie. They were each grappling with their unique challenges of marginalization. And social media provides like a vital platform for them to forge connections with others sharing similar experiences and connections that might be elusive in other contexts. Uh, and those relationships, be they academic or personal, are crucial for overall well-being and form the foundation for academic achievement. Now, also interesting is there's often a void of such relational connections in online courses we talked about, but similarly in some on-site courses for for reasons including introversion. When I was taking classes and I was taking them on-site back in the day, um, I really kind of struggled with that connection. And so I think about how social media might have been beneficial for me. Yeah, I love that. I I, I think um, I think we have to be honest with what um, faculty are capable of doing. Faculty can't provide everything. Mm-mm. You know, e- even if you have gone to every seminar and you've you have every degree and you have every every you can't be everything to everyone. 
And so social media, when it's used appropriately and embedded in the classroom appropriately, take some of that pressure off the faculty and can do all that supportive work like the affirming the, um, and the inclusion piece on some level. It doesn't mean that that will necessarily um, translate to the physical space on campus or the online space, but psychologically it provides some sort of support. And I think the other piece that you'll see in, in the article that we wrote is that there is a socioeconomic factor tied to social media. Um, faculty who um, use social media use it for self-promotion a lot of times of their research and and students do the same and so it is it is part of career development it is part of those those broader social pieces and when we look at programs across the country social media isn't necessarily tied into those career goals necessarily um, across any curriculum and so that's just an, in, unless it's marketing specific or something to that effect and so I think that that's, those are the two things that you'll see highlighted in those student cases. And I, I really just want to just support faculty by saying, I think even before COVID, during COVID and now, um, it just seems like people just want more and more and more and more from faculty. And we just have to be honest about the limits. And social media is something that can really help us if we know how to use it and we partner with our students to understand how they you know, how we can use it together effectively in a classroom, it can really take off some of that pressure and really support faculty in developing classrooms that are robust. And when you talk to faculty, they, at, at the end of the day, they really just want more student engagement. Um, and so if this is a medium for that, then, hey, you know, that's, that's something worth exploring. And we'll kind of go through, you know, some of the strategies that both of you recommend that educators can use to maximize these, but what specifically maybe have you implemented or have you seen implemented of instructors using social media in their classrooms that's that's worked or had some good feedback from the students? Well, something that I've done, and I really want to connect this back to what Courtney talked about is as an instructor, I mean, I don't have the bandwidth really to do anything, you know, more, but there's lots of things that um, I think when we think about student-driven learning that as instructors, we can kind of take off our plates. I'm always surprised that when um, I work with students to, um, and Courtney will talk about this more, I think, to, to put in place some structures, like structures around social media, structures around like how we're going to, you know, engage in our, in our discussion boards and things like that, how students really step up when I give them, after doing that, I give them that space. When I teach, I encourage students to set up group chats with their peers on platforms that make sense to them. And I just say that. And I've taken lots of online classes in my time, and I haven't ever had like instructors like come out and say that. I know that I've kind of done that on my own sometimes, but I just really think like having it be said like that's okay because we need to think about like our students. Um, they're part of a generation that's grown up with social media. When I interviewed them, they don't know life without social media, and so it's deeply ingrained. So we need to kind of provide structures and then get out of the way for them, right? In in higher ed. And so what I do is I provide them, you know, suggestions about how they might create these groups if they want to, if it's what they need. And so students, I then will um, interview them after or I'll just anecdotally talk to them and they talk about, you know, creating and using them like almost daily. And what I think is really cool about this connection is for non-academic things. Like they'll be sharing memes, um, you know, they will ask questions about like, what was, you know, Stacy talking about in this or that? But really, um, those connections with one another that last long beyond the course. Um, like one time I was in a Zoom 
um, doing a live session and a student wasn't there. And, a, and then a, another student said, oh, I'll just Snapchat them <laughs> and send the snap and I'll see like what's going on. I mean, so just those sorts of things, like students, like they can do, they can do so many of these things on our own if we provide them the space and the structures. Yeah, I love that, Stacy. Yeah, I think one of my, um, one of the things that I've seen work, and, and I, I like things that faculty can just do and like do immediately, right? It doesn't take like an earth shifting thing to think about. I think we just have to shift from policy surrounding social media to the goals of social media in a course. And so when right now you're looking at current practices around course design, syllabus design, the goals are the goals for the course, but they're not broken down in a way that's going to build things around community building, right? Community culture, cognitive culture, how you're thinking about the culture that you're in. And so I think one of the easiest things that faculty can do is just kind of break it down and create some some kind of framework goals for social media in your course. So what is it that you're trying to do? Are you trying to increase participation? Are you trying to increase engagement? Are you trying to increase the number of responses or interactions with written content or video content that you have? And then kind of scale out from there and then just work it out with your students. Um, there are some students, you, you know, if, especially if you're teaching smaller groups, you might have a group that's like, hey, we don't really care either way about social media. There might be other groups that are like, yes, we definitely want this. No, we definitely don't. Um, and and the best thing is, you know, it's, it's always an option. It doesn't have to be mandatory. Um, it doesn't have to be um, anything that's punitive, but it can just be an avenue. And faculty, I think, and I think the other thing is, is know your university policy on social media, what the university is already saying, what's already in place, and obviously operate within those, those ideas. But when we're thinking about goals for a course, um, there's no one who's moving right now in the workplace without some form of social media, whether that's them looking for a job and going on that Facebook page and seeing what people are saying, or whether it's them using LinkedIn to boost a profile. So these, these things are happening. Um, and then there's all the backdoor chats that are happening with maybe some things that are more personal. So I, I think that just understanding in, embedding that in the classroom has to start somewhere. And I think it just starts with just outlining your goals for what you're trying to do with social media. Because I think it's, and it's also, I want to say for faculty members um, who didn't grow up with social media, it can be an extremely overwhelming thing when you look at your relatives who are 20 and 25 and they are, they have a million apps and they're proficient at all of them. That can be an extremely overwhelming prospect, right? And then you go into the classroom and you see that times 20 or 40 or 100. <laughs> um, that can be super overwhelming. So I think that um, just kind of, kind of starting with something and learning about what you can yourself that you're going to be comfortable with that would also be beneficial to you as an instructor and maybe even you on a personal level or professional level in another space would be a great place to start. Yeah. And, you know, Stacy, you mentioned, you know, just having a little chat of sending memes to each other and like, I'm thinking about my college days and it would just have been nice to be like, oh, the, these other students are stressed too about this. Like, it's not just me. Do you think there's a difference between online and in-person of being able to implement this? Or do you think it's kind of easy to integrate this into both types of classes? Um, I've taught um, undergraduates um, on campus and online. 
And I've seen similar behavior patterns in both spaces. I, I used to, um, I, I'm thinking back to a lecture um, I would do, and I would have 30 or 40 students sitting in the class. And I, during downtime or different things, they'd be snapping one another. I mean, and they had, you know, they would form their small groups in that class. And they would all share, like, you know, they would do texting, but then they were also sharing social media and, you know, setting up group chats and things. So, you know, it's permeating, like, our society. So in it's permeating um, higher education spaces, whether we, you know, acknowledge it or not, it's there and students are using it. So both of you, you know, propose numerous strategies in the article about how educators can kind of use social media as a benefit in their classroom. Um, so if you guys just want to take maybe one or two of those specific strategies and just kind of expand on them. I um, I think that, and again, low-hanging fruit because of faculty bandwidth, I think establishing, establishing a community identity is a great thing to do with social media. I think it's easy to do um, on, its, on its most basic front, right? You're creating a page. It's for the students. It's an extra place of community. It's maybe where you can put those overflow questions of the course. It's maybe where you can share those memes. And it's a visual representation of the community. Um, and also sometimes in those in social media spaces, they have um, accessibility tools that might not be in the space of the um, in, in the space of the online classroom. And so it, it's just another way that students can connect with one another. And I think that that's really important um, because again, it's an all hands on deck kind of concept and it's however we can get people connecting um, is something. And again, we have, like Stacy said, we have students who have literally grown up on social media. So they're also used to the accessibility tools in other places way more so than they would be to maybe some of those tools that the campus office offers just because they're so ingrained in those other spaces. So that would be my my um, suggestion. Perfect. And then Stacy, if you want to dive into a, one of the strategies. Yeah, I think the one that um, I'm talking about aligns with number seven. Um, kind of content um, curation and things like that. So um, this is just full circle. Once again, I have a LinkedIn um, page. I use it a lot, like lots of faculty do. And yesterday morning, I was browsing um, and I stumbled upon a post from a doctoral student that I'm really familiar with. And they had shared a project from their course and were inviting their network to give feedback and engage in discussion through comments. And I was very intrigued. And so I immediately messaged them um, inquiring about this infographic they had posted. And I was, I said, you know, what's the deal with this? This is so cool. This is aligns with my research. I said, hello, Dr. Gilpin. Thanks for reaching out to me and for your appreciation. I posted this advocacy infographic as part of the class project that I mentioned in my post. One of the guidelines of this project was find a means of communicating your position to a wider audience. So that is people outside of your classroom. So you will have to identify a venue that you could be able to do this in. However, you're only required to present to your peers to meet the requirements of this final assignment. So giving students control over where their um, project is going to be is going to show up. Um, it might be to publish on the internet for the whole world to see or do a local demonstration of some kind. You're encouraged to experiment with formats that are new to you. So research, including ours, indicates that students often feel uncertain about establishing professional networks. I interviewed students and they would talk to me about how they spent all this time on their LinkedIn 
profiles. LinkedIn came up a lot. They're using LinkedIn. And so primarily due to their heightened awareness of audiences and digital footprints, um, they're just really uncertain about how to do these things and worried about, you know, will I, will it, what, what will other people think? What will future employers think and things like that? So this assignment really serves as an excellent example of how we can create safe environments to explore, for students to explore and experiment, creating that connection that we're talking about, uh, maybe developing some friendships, but at the same time, um, maybe they start to curate like this student is on um, their LinkedIn account. And this is something they already had. The instructor didn't have to say, okay, now everyone, we're going to set up our LinkedIn account in class, gave the student, a ch gave the students a choice. And the student is like, Hey, I have a LinkedIn account. This, you know, project is pertinent to my career. I'm going to put it out there. And I thought it was super cool because other people in like in the discipline were commenting on um, their post and things. So, so yes, this is, this is the work. And then kind of going off of that, you've expanded on your findings about, you know, professional networking and everything to help their professional image, as you just kind of showcased. So how does, you know, this fit into the broader research and what possibilities you see in your research for being able to fit professional development and social media into classes? Okay. Yeah, I think it's tough, right? Because it's just another thing that is on the radar um, for everybody. So it's, it's, you know, the students know how to use it. And do we as a educational body have enough information that can be cross-curricular into how to use this effectively? And I think the, the big piece is, is that educational uses of social media may or may not align with workplace social media may not or may not may or may not align with personal promotion may not you know and it so it goes on like that and i think that's a big piece of it i think there's enough research to show us the benefits there's enough research to show us the drawbacks but i i honestly believe it's more of a, a geographical and local thing i think i think social social media is so powerful for communities and I think if we look at it like a community builder, as far as this is where I live, this is what I'm able to do here and then scale it out on a more global, impactful scale. I think that is, is how you kind of merge all of that together, right? You can have the personal, you can have the professional, you can have the educational. And again, that's also dependent on major and those other things, right? But, but at, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to improve the lives of the people around us, I think, when, when, you, when you have a good heart and you're, you're you know, a decent human being. And so I think that that's the power of social media. It can change one individual's life in a minute it, in, in a positive way, and it can, it can document and it can do all of these amazing things. Uh, but I, I think it really just comes down to helping supporting faculty and understanding how it can be beneficial in their classroom and then how the students can reciprocate that benefit back in the community. I, well, I wanted to share just a little anecdote from yeah. my research that connects with this. I had um, more than a couple students um, talk about how they had forged relationships on social media with people they never met like in real life before and how meaningful these relationships were. Like I had um, one student and I, it was just really kind of like I was almost in tears because it was just so heartfelt that um, they were um, a non-binary student and they had talked about some of the struggles they'd had um, connecting and things. And their best friend was someone they met on a Discord chat and how important that person like was to them um, and helping them get through the pandemic and their studies. 
And then another student shared um, they met their best friend on social media and they haven't met in person yet, but they were going to fly across the country to meet them in January. So students are, they, they're wanting connection and they're doing these things already. So I just think about as faculty, how can we just give them a little bit of a nudge and, and a little bit of support? And um, I think that really they can figure the rest out. Well, and I mean, full disclosure for me, I, I don't I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I mean, I only met my husband twice and married him and I met him online, right? And so we've been together almost 18 years. And at the time, I was around 05 and people thought like, oh, you don't know this person, you do, you know, and, and, you know, in that sense, I don't know, is that why I'm interested in online learning? I don't know, but I, but it, it speaks to that same thing, which is humanness can transcend technology. It really can. And that's what it comes down to is what at the end of the day, we can't be everything for every student, but we can give them access to what they need in those psychological and social spaces for a relationship, for a connection, for those other, those other um, important pieces of, of learning, right? Because learning's not done alone. It's done, it's done in a community. So. And to add to that, one more thing is using social media in all the ways we talked about for some courses and for some um, communities just may not make sense. And that's okay. However, I think it's important as faculty that we know all of our options and we know different things that we can do. So when we might come into a space where it does make more sense, we're like, oh, what was that about? Whether you're driving to work or you just need a 15-minute think session, we hope the Faculty Focus Live podcast will inspire your teaching and offer ideas that you can integrate into your own course. For more information on the resources included in this episode, please check out the links provided in the episode description.